Testing, testing. It's on. One, two, one, two. Microphone checker. Microphone wrecker. Microphone picker, picker. <laughs> Alright, let's give this a shot. What is life? What does it mean to heal? I'm a human. Hello, hello? Anybody there? Why are we here? What does this mean? Let's figure it out together. That's fun. Just to come play. Play in the podverse. What are we doing? This is the Turning of the Bones podcast. Hello! You marvelous Mabels. You lovely Lindas. You perfect petunias. You outstretched ostriches. (laughs) Ah, Welcome to the Turning of the Bones podcast. My name is Colby Marie. I am your host. I am so excited to be here. That was a fun little... I never know how to to start these. I think it's one of the hardest things. Uh, I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts called sleeping at last um it's really cool musician who does a lot of really awesome projects you should check it out on spotify sleeping at last did like a song for each of the planets does songs for all these cosmic discoveries he does songs about each number of the enneagram Uh, if you don't know what the enneagram is go check it out it might just rock your world it might change your life um anyhow i remember him saying uh, he never knows how to start them and uh i just started that one with a little vocal warm-up i do in the shower while i'm getting ready to uh to bring you this podcast i am really excited about this week's podcast i had a really fun week I was, I felt like I learned a lot. Uh, I really felt like my curiosity took me down a lot of really fun and interesting rabbit holes. Uh, Some stuff that I already knew about a little bit uh, that I refreshed my memory on. Some curiosities, some connections that I made in my head and... I wanted to do a little podcast about something I think is super interesting and something I have been working to cultivate in my meditation and it's a skill and a practice that I think I've been called to called to do I just it's like I feel like it's kind of like, like one of those alarms in my life uh, that I needed to get better at listening. Um, I think that <laughs> I had a lot of negative self, uh, negative self image around myself as a student and my ability to listen. Uh, and I kind of just really embodied that. I was like, oh yeah, I have ADHD and I can't listen for longer than this. And you know what? 
yes, I do have some neural divergence, and I could also practice, and I could practice listening to my head, I can practice listening to my heart, I can practice listening to my gut. Uh, the older I get, the more I don't see any clear lines between those. I think here in America, in the West, we get taught to listen to our brain. We're a info-heavy society. Uh, we love some, some data. We love science. Um, and for good reason. Science is fucking fascinating. And a lot of what I read this week was science. But I I wanted to learn how to trust myself. Uh, which meant listening to myself. And what the fuck does that even mean? And definitely not a spiritual teacher. I'm an educator. I'm an artist. I'm creative. I'm a performer. I'm a musician. And I'm hopelessly curious. And if you're like me, I think this is a pretty normal occurrence inside of humanity. We love stories about people who listen to their intuition uh, or listen to their gut. Um, oh, I just had a gut feeling. Uh, Donald Trump was going to be a bad president. <laughs> Um, I don't think I have to do too much meditating to, f to figure that one out, but um, you just kind of have to not be a uh, maniacal capitalistic tyrant to, uh, to not think he was going to be a bad president or, you know, there's a lot going on there. He could have been just a scared, uh, scared person without a lot of education or resources who got trapped in a internet wormhole of propaganda but all of that aside um <laughs> trust in our gut you know like stories about how our grandparents met or um i think they they really trigger something beautiful in our imagination you know this kind of mystical fairy tale of how we survived things i think that you know we love telling a story after something's happened um making meaning out of it i think it's a huge part of who we are as a human and so i just today i want to tell some stories about uh and just kind of riff about listening to your gut um there's lots of science being done about the, the brain and gut connection, uh, the psychobiome, if you want to Google that. Uh, the psychobiome is fascinating. Um, yeah, maybe I'll throw some, some stuff in there. <laughs> um, got some notes. I did some research. Um, but <laughs> everyone listening probably has a story or knows a story that a friend or a family member has told about someone who has listened to their gut and I'd say the majority of these stories kind of um, the theme or the, the, the common thread in the stories is like 
they listened to their gut and it saved them from danger. And I've mentioned in the podcast that in a lot of ways we're fear-based mammals. Um, we have some, some shared deeper fears and then those surface in all kinds of different ways. Um, and that basically, you know, we're still mammals. We're still looking for patterns in the environment that cue us to danger. Um, it's really a beautiful and complex system. It involves your brain, and I think I've talked a bit about that, some of the neurochemistry of that. Uh, you know, if a bear starts running at you, your brain and your body know what to do. It, it sends the right chemicals to the right places. It shuts down your reproductive functioning. It heightens your senses. Um, you get adrenaline. You get, you know, you get stress hormones. Your heart rate goes up. Your, your muscles, this is a really cool one, your muscles get extra glucose so that they can respond faster. Um, and so there's, there's so many fascinating fascinating ways that the mammal that we all are works and for the longest time when I was in talk therapy um, most of my fears were intellectual um, and as I've progressed you know I think I shared that I started I needed medication for my anxiety and my panic attacks I needed to remove alcohol from my life uh, I needed a, a pretty big reset to get out of the mental health hole I was in with the support of a, a therapist. Um, and so as I progressed on from that, that point, I eventually got into somatic therapy. And somatic therapy is, there's a really great book called The Body Keeps the Score. Uh, um, Another one, I think, we'll just leave it there. The Body Keeps the Score is a really great one. There are a lot of really cool somatic therapists out there. Peter Levine. Um, I'm forgetting the name of the gentleman who wrote The Body Keeps the Score. Um, but it basically says that the idea is, is that not only do those, those traumas or those imprints, those moments imprint, on your brain and your psyche, they also imprint in your body because it's an interconnected system. And, you know, 20 years ago, I would have poo-pooed most of this as like, you know, the cynical punk in me would have been like, yeah, whatever, trust your gut. Uh, I've read the Stoics. I can figure this all out with my brain. Um... And those are really valuable tools, you know, the, the teachings of Epictetus and Marcus Aurelius, really helpful for getting control of your brain, just like talk therapy. Um, but the older I've gotten, the more I've started to notice that there's like these other systems online. And the gut, my stomach, I mean, I'm 44. And... You know, not everybody can eat whatever they want, but when you're younger, you typically can eat more shit. You can have more junk food and, and you're okay. You're burning more, your brain's developing. 
Um, but the older I've gotten, I've really noticed the connection between what I eat and how my brain feels, um, my emotional state. You know, if I have sugar, if I have lots of sugar, I kind of drift towards depressive states. You know, I wouldn't say it's, it's not like ongoing. It's not like a clinical depression. But if I eat a pint of ice cream, there's a good chance that I'm going to be super emotional when I wake up in the morning. Um, uh, it's like the little kid, you know. It's funny that I didn't realize this or wasn't aware of it, but you watch a little kid get sugar and then crash, and it's like the evidence is right there. Um, this is what happens to human animals when you give them lots of sugar. They get really hyper, they burn the sugar, and then they get super emotional. Um, <laughs> and so... <laughs> so I'm just laughing because I'm remembering my mom telling the story of how angry she got at my grandma when she gave me ice cream for the first time because my mom uh, was really trying to do the just a beautiful loving gesture of making all of my own food and keeping me off sugar and this is you know 1976 in Tahoe uh you know, definitely had a hippie, hippie vibe going on there, living in the mountains. Um, and just how, you know, it was like one of the biggest fights they'd ever got in uh, was over an ice cream cone. And, you know, now that I'm older, I, I kind of understand why. Like, if I was trying to keep a child off sugar and somebody gave them, you know, kid crack, um... I might be a little perturbed, so uh, I've definitely noticed how sugar affects me. Um, I think alcohol goes without saying. Um, you're pumping a depressant into your body. Uh, you're poisoning your body. It fries your, your brain, uh, messes up your serotonin, dopamine, uh, drug use in general. Uh, anything like sugar or alcohol that like kind of floods you with dopamine it takes your body a little while to reset and be able to make dopamine naturally and for those who don't know dopamine is the neurochemical that's kind of related to happiness um, your body gets a nice hit of dopamine when you're having sex uh, or having a drink or eating sugar it just just kind of it's a byproduct of those those activities um, and so I've definitely noticed that as I've gotten older gluten um, I've noticed that when I eat gluten or large amounts of it I think in moderation I'm okay but like in, in large amounts I kind of have this brain fog it's really challenging for me to create coherent thoughts like if I ate an entire pizza last night or a loaf of bread I wouldn't be able to do the podcast so I, I definitely know the night before I do a podcast I eat a certain certain meal you know with certain foods proteins and vegetables and balanced oils and fats so that when I sit down to talk into a microphone I'm ready uh, fried foods kind of make you feel heavy and lethargic, uh, low motivation, uh, 
whatever is going on neurochemically after I eat fried foods. It's just kind of like, oh, just like a huge, I'm thinking of like a huge heavy breakfast. There's a New Orleans style place here in Denver called Lucille's, which is absolute, oh God, it's so good. Maybe I'll get Lucille's once once some more people are vaccinated and things open up a little bit more i'm going to get some lucille's and take a nap but <laughs> it's like really heavy creams and stuff like that uh kind of make me lethargic um and so there's like i've just noticed this huge connection between my gut and my well-being um and a bit of a sad anecdote when i was a child i was pretty chronically ill. Um, I think I went to the hospital about once a year to stay. Um, I had croup when I was really young. I got strep throat multiple times a year. I just had a really weak immune system. I I wasn't diagnosed with anything. Um, You know, and where that came from, stress, PTSD, you know, growing up in an alcoholic child, uh, alcoholic home, who knows, but um, all that to say is like, I took a shitload of antibiotics when I was a kid. Um, You know, and bless everybody's heart, they just thought that's what you did. But um, as, as I've gotten older and my immune system has gotten stronger and I've started eating better, um, you know, maybe I just aged out of it. Maybe it was stress. Who who knows? But the point being is, like, uh, I had to take antibiotics a couple years ago, and I hadn't taken it forever. And I just I noticed how much it messed up my 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 mental state for like a week after or something. And then I came to find out like it's antibiotics are basically killing all the healthy bacteria in your stomach. Um, And then I learned about the joy of probiotics and the psychobiome and the the brain-gut connection and all of the serotonin receptors, which is tied in your stomach and serotonin is tied to depression and anxiety. Um, You have messenger molecules in your stomach. Your gut can become inflamed. like when I go back to Ohio, I always wonder because people are a little, you know, typically larger in Ohio than in Colorado. And if you look at like the the national stats on that, but I always wonder like when I go back, like how many people are just inflamed, you know, because they're eating foods that aren't they cause inflammation. Um, anyhow, it's a small little aside about the state that I grew up in um but yeah as I've gotten older just this 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 brain gut connection has really started to make a bit more sense to me um you're not saying you are what you eat um you know I think that comes from somewhere um you know and I remember one of my teachers talked about like somebody with a really unhealthy diet uh basically what did she say she said uh it's like they live in a haunted house um you know their emotions are just kind of like popping out like surprise um there's no consistency and a really imbalanced 
psychobiome in your gut. Um, and so, you know, sauerkraut, yogurt, probiotic pills can help. But anyhow, this isn't a health. <laughs> I went on a huge health tangent there. But um, all that to say is, like, there's an intelligence to your gut. Um, and I would have never believed this um, if I didn't have this one experience. So I had been, I think, five years sober or four four years sober i've been four years sober and i was studying meditation and starting to learn about ayurvedic diet um which is really super fascinating i'm not an expert at all but um, i was doing these cleanses that were recommended by an ayurvedic doctor who was also an md and did these tests to see like how i was needed to balance my body and I'd done a couple of these like pretty mellow cleanses, you know. I'm not, I don't think you should just like go like full juice or full water. I think all that shit is like diet fad culture and body shaming. Um, this is really meant to like kind of just rebalance these Ayurvedic cleanses I did. You know, you got to eat all day. You didn't, but you ate specific foods. Um, and after I'd done a couple of those, I was like, well, I'm going to like really try to like go no sugar. Um, you know, like on those cleanses, I could use like a little bit of honey or a little bit of maple syrup and oatmeal um, or fruits. Um, but I was just kind of like, oh, let's let's see. Let's see what I can do here. Let's let's test my my discipline limits with, you know, so I cut breads out and rice and carbs and fruits and was like, okay, I'm gonna really, really, really get off, you know, the things that my body converts into sugars and just kind of see if I can do that, see what happens. And about three or four days in, I started having the most intense cravings for whiskey. And I've been four years sober and you know, everyone has a different experience of quitting alcohol. Um, some people crave the social interaction. Some people miss, you know, the high. Some people miss the taste. Some people miss the ritual. For me, like, I kind of, I just, when, when I quit, it was time to quit. You know, I had a really good, my rock bottom was solid. It was like, pick your ass up and get off this shit. And I just, I was... I didn't have any cravings, you know, I didn't like, my life got so much better when I quit drinking that I was just like, this is fucking awesome, like, why would I ever go back, why would I ever, why did I ever drink, spoiler therapy gave me the answer to that, um, <laughs> uh, but I had these cravings, I mean, they were like, gripping, it felt like, it felt like, you know, like, a, a ghoulish hand like creeped out of the ether and like was squeezing me like you and just whispering into my ear you want whiskey you want a beer and I mean like I had zero desire emotionally to drink but like my body was like fucking give me whiskey and so I talked to uh 
I talked to someone who was an expert, a doctor, and uh, I don't think it was the Ayurvedic doctor. But anyhow, I came to find out that basically the the bacteria in my stomach that was needed the sugar to live was like sending out these signals and like I honestly felt like I was being possessed like no shit like <laughs> like I don't even know how to describe it it was like an overwhelming urge to drink and I was like oh that's because your body breaks down the carbs and alcohol and it was just like it was the only signal my gut had to send to my brain you know and somehow you know, it's like dreams. You're like, why did, you know, why did I have this image kind of pop up? You know, if you've, if you've, you maybe, maybe not, you're a dreamer, you are, you aren't. But when you have dreams, like, you know, sometimes you're like, why do I keep having this like one, you know, why does this toaster keep appearing? And it's like your subconscious is like trying to tell you like, hey, you know, like that, that toaster isn't just a toaster. To us, that toaster means x y and z but to you you just keep being like why do i keep dreaming about toasters and your your subconscious is like god damn it would you just get it it's not just a toaster anyhow um it was kind of like that it was like the only language <laughs> that my gut had to tell my brain like the bacteria was like we're dying we're dying and i think i made it like another day and finally just had like some rice or something and gave my stomach some carbs and like the cravings just went away um didn't didn't crave alcohol at all um after i just gave myself some stuff that my that would keep that that stuff in my psychobiome alive and uh wow i really really went on a tangent there i was just going to tell stories about people trusting their gut um, lots of fun. Got the coffee pumping, got the nicotine lozenge in, um, had a little bit of my tea. And so there's a, I've come to believe, and I think science is starting to do more research on this, so I feel validated. Um, I also have friends who've had similar experiences, so that there's a huge connection between your gut and your brain and your mental state can kind of be traced sometimes to, to what you're eating. You know, it makes sense. It's like this great Towns Van Zandt song uh, where he's talking about like how his car won't run and his car's a euphemism for his uh, sexual prowess. Um, and then he's just kind of lethargic and he's not, his car's just not running. And at the end, it's like, you know, the mechanic in the song is like, oh boy, you haven't, uh, there's nothing wrong with your engine. You've just been running bad gasoline. And uh, I think that's kind of what's going on, you know. Like, I think our guts, our guts are important. I think that they, they speak to us. And I think that they keep us safe. So I'm going to take a little break. And then I'm going to tell you some stories. So this podcast is crowdfunded, listener-supported. Your donations mean the world to me. This is my 
my my full-time gig I've got a couple part-time gigs trying to keep the rent paid while I get this launched but uh, I work on this quite a bit every week um, and I love it and so I'm so grateful for my patrons and if you are getting anything out of this um, please recommend it to a friend you can like subscribe follow leave a review on iTunes all of that helps uh, boost boost my podcast project and another way you can support is financially so if you would buy me a cup of coffee once a month or buy me lunch here and there you can donate monthly and become a patron uh, Patreon has a really beautiful model for supporting creatives and artists in a society that doesn't do it that well um, so head over to www.patreon.com slash turning of the bones you can go over to my website www.turning of the bones there's a link to the patreon page there and you can become a monthly supporter of this podcast and you can keep independent uh, creative content coming like this um, and if not mine go support somebody else's uh, there's a huge huge uptick in corporate sponsorship for famous people doing podcasts and it's kind of drowning out the beauty of uh i think like capitalism always does it takes over some shit that was awesome like people talking about what they're really excited about in podcasts and it monetizes it and it cuts out the little person and one thing i love about podcasts is uh, blind boy mentioned this that uh podcasts are people talking about what they're passionate about and if this could be my job talking passionately about random shit like the psychobiome and intuition and gut feelings or whatever i talked about last week or whatever i'm going to talk about next week uh that would be awesome brings me a lot of joy to do this it's a passion project so your support is super super valued deeply valued super appreciated there we go i got the word that comes after super super appreciated deeply valued we can do this we can do it together um if you have any questions shoot me an email yeah and share this with a friend spread the word spread the love on patreon um, check out my blogs on the website and without further ado let's talk about gut feelings so I had a really fun time researching this podcast. <clears throat> um, there are tons of stories. You'd want to go down a fun internet wormhole, Google gut, gut feelings, or ask your friends. You know, maybe this could be a way you could connect. Hey, tell me about a time you trusted your gut and it paid off. Um, when I was doing this, it kind of the first one that came to my mind was a really recent one that was super important to me. Um, one of my dear friends, uh, like a family member, I've known him for 20 years. He lived, he still lives right down the street from the King Supers in Boulder, where the mass shooter uh, killed people two weeks ago, three weeks ago. God. It's, it's, 
It really sucks that in this country there's so many shootings or black people killed by police that you can't keep track of. It's just like there's one every day. Anyhow, uh, so my friend, uh, who I'd say is like, you know, not abnormally spiritual, you know, I'd say has a deep connection to nature, music, musician, does his own thing, carpenter, uh, really great person, uh, definitely in touch with his family and his ancestors, reads his dad, you know, lots of cool, cool things going on there. But anyhow, my friend, the, the morning before the shooting, um, decided to go up to King Supers, was just kind of hanging out. Uh, I was going to play some music later or something. Needed some beer and some food for the day and for the musicians that were going to come over. And decided, oh, yeah, you know, it'd be really easy to just make some pizzas, get some beers, play some music. Uh, so he gets in his truck and heads up to the King Supers and pulls up, uh, gets front row parking, just like incredible at this King Supers parking lot like it's just a it's one of those nightmare parking lots and gets front row parking you know basically stroll right in and kind of notices a little something strange happening in the parking lot that just kind of gave him a bad vibe there wasn't like a, a conflict but it was just something and uh he was sitting there thinking he was like you know maybe I'll just pop around the corner there's a there's a Whole Foods around the corner and uh They've got better pizza crust anyway, so decides like, hey, you know, like I'll just go get my beer and my pizza crust from Whole Foods around the corner. Same same parking lot, uh, you know, strip mall kind of area, but just a different grocery store. So drives over there, goes in, gets his beer, gets his pizza, and when he comes out, he like looks up and there's just like SWAT teams, people are running. They're screaming. He's like, what the fuck is happening? It's like, people are like, oh, there's a shooter, there's a shooter. He like, like tells people to get behind his truck. He's kind of like surveying the situation. He sees like snipers with their rifles pointed into the parking lot on the grassy knoll across the way. And it's like, holy shit, you know? And like, it's like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. So he like gets in his truck and like, is like, I'm gonna leave. And as he's leaving, you know get stopped by the police they kind of check and they're like all right go ahead and you know he sees like all these sniper rifles pointed on him and he, he goes home and most of the shooting that happened at the king supers happened in the beer aisle and you know who knows what would have happened you know suffice it to say my friend is still processing the shock and the grief of you know the lives of his friends that were lost that worked at the grocery store. I mean, he's lived there for like 20 years. And so all that to say, like in that moment, you know, trusting his gut, he would have walked into the store at the same time as the shooter. Um, and you never know how that would have played out. But if he hadn't have trusted his gut, he would have been in the store he would have been in the beer aisle where most of the shooting took place. And who knows? Maybe maybe I would have lost a friend if he didn't listen to his gut. Um, and thank God he did. Um, 
And I think all of us can kind of probably think of a time that maybe isn't quite so dramatic, but that that we trusted our gut and it kept us out of harm's way. Um, and you never know the details on that. You know, the brain loves to tell a story that suits itself and especially suits itself around fear and keeping itself safe. But I think that the point is, is that there's something that he knew, you know, whether it was like his fucking dad looking out from him from above or his gut or, you know, enough of the pattern in front of him felt off. Um, and he decided to go get a pizza someplace else. Or it could have just been literally his gut was like, no, the pizza's better over there. Um, and it kept him out of, kept him out of harm's way. And <laughs> I think that we do a, a, a lot of work in this society to talk one another out of those old forms of wisdom, you know, the mind-body connectedness, the, the way that we have intelligences that we can't explain to a teacher or we can't explain to society the way we know things when we can't explain how we know things. Um, but like there, there are thousands of examples of this online. Um, you know, if you've ever felt like you're being watched, um, you know, sometimes dreams, uh, like when my dog gets spooked, I just trust my dog. I'm like, yeah, oh, there's something spooky over there. Like, it's not that you just got startled. Like, maybe there's something spooky going on. Maybe there's a pattern you're seeing that I'm not. Um, and I think that like uh, trust in our gut, like my buddy did, can really like there are tons of stories about this saving our lives, you know. And unfortunately, I, I want to take a minute and acknowledge the reality that women in this country and in lots of countries live in every day. Um, most of the stories I read were about male predators and creepy guys. And I think that's a big problem and we don't value the wisdom of women who are more in tune with their bodies. Um, I would say, no, that's not fair. I don't wanna get into gender here, sorry. I'm gonna recant that. Um, but I think it's a shame that we live in a society with, you know, where there's so many stories about, you know, I, I trusted my gut and I didn't go on a date with that guy because something fell off. And then I read a news story where he was convicted of sexual assault. You know, like I think that this is, this isn't, uh, this is a reality that some bodies in this world experience every day and they have to trust their gut to stay safe. And um, I know that I've gotten some of this understanding from people who have endured that. So thank you for your wisdom. Um, one of the people that I've learned to trust my gut from is my mom. And there was a really cool story of her trusting her gut where she used to be a high school teacher and they would have a ninth hour after the work day on Friday where they would all go. It was basically happy hour. And they went um, and had a couple beers at this uh, barbecue 
joint in uh, Piqua, Ohio, and it, it started snowing. And when she came out, she had to, she had one of those cute little, uh, you know, like fake fur. I think it was my grandma's. I think it was actually an heirloom. It's like a fake fur window scraper, um, fake mink or something really glam like my grandma was. Um, and so my mom was scraped her window and when she pulled her hand out, uh, somehow all of her rings uh, got got thrown off of her fingers and into the snow and it was nighttime um one of them was a ring of her mother's one of them was a ring that one of my exes made for her that was really important to her um and maybe another one of like my great-grandmothers let's just put a great-grandmother in there for uh for storytelling it was really important these rings were really important to my mom they were invaluable and she was really distraught and she looked in the snow but couldn't find them uh called back and the place basically said you know like yeah if somebody turns them in uh we'll we'll, we'll definitely keep your number but um unfortunately you know i wouldn't count on it because it's a gravel parking lot that we plow when it snows and the chances of finding a couple gold rings are slim and none and slim moved to kansas and um so i think my mom went back a couple more times the following week couldn't find the rings had a really lovely friend from her work who went over there with a metal detector and nothing and so she'd kind of given up on these rings and was in the period and probably grieving having lost them you know their sentimental value um especially with rings the feeling of them on your finger it's kind of like there's a ghost ring there if you lose a piece of jewelry you wear a lot and then she like four months later was driving home from work and just had this feeling so like by now it's springtime she's kind of had this feeling like oh i should go over there um and take a look she pulled over and I think at this point she said she couldn't even really remember where she parked and she just kind of parked in some random place and started looking around and she like took five steps outside of her, her car and uh, looked down and both the rings were right there and like you know this is a huge gravel parking lot people have been in and out someone could have picked them up it could have been buried with the snow that year um, but somehow she trusted her gut and her intuition, you know, her brain, she's told me the story the whole time she's driving over. She's like, this is insane. Why am I doing this? Why, why am I going here? But she trusted her gut and her intuition, you know, and whether it was my grandma talking to her from, from beyond or her gut, there was like a deeper sense of knowing she had in her body that her brain couldn't explain um and she found her rings and so i really like that story about trusting your gut um yeah it's a it's a powerful thing to to listen to something that isn't your brain to shift where we listen 
Um, I know for me, listening to my gut or my heart has been it's been a a, a fruitful and challenging journey of unlearning um, the over over dependence on my critical mind. Um, we're educated in the West to value our mind above all else. Um, systematically, I would say, inside of public schools, deprogrammed from trusting anything else. Um, that's a shame, so I hope maybe, <laughs> maybe this will inspire you to uh, trust your gut a little. Um, there's a really famous story of a kid watering plants. Um, and by famous, I mean it was on every single uh, Reddit thread or buzzfeed list or medium or wherever i found these these lists of people trusting their gut um where a little kid uh and her brother were tasked with uh watering the neighbor's plants while they were out of town and the little kid uh went over with her brother and they had a sibling falling out that led to a pretty big fight in the yard, maybe some spraying with a hose. And so the mom had decided that the next day the kids were going to split the shifts. Uh, one of the children was going to water it in the morning and the other was going to go in the afternoon. And the child who went <clears throat> in the afternoon was, you know, pretty young and pulls out the hose and, you know, adorably struggles trying to water these plants and, make some allowance or whatever they were doing and they noticed that the the screen door wasn't where it usually was that had been uh, slid from the side to the middle of the door and the kid just got a bad feeling it was like you know kind of got spooked and having house sit for my neighbors I had the memory of like the times that I've been spooked inside of one of their houses and I think it can be kind of a creepy thing um, for a kid and but the kid really was like no and like just stopped watering and, and ran home and was like mom like something's not right and the mom was you know dismissive because you know like it's pretty normal for kids to get spooked and for parents to blow them off and not trust them um, but the kid was really adamant, like, I'm not going back over there. Like, and the mom was like, okay, I'll go over with you later. And so a couple hours later, they go back and the screen door is back where it went. And there's evidence that there was a robber in the house who was there when the little girl was there. Or the, the, I think it was a girl. Um, my little kid had the feeling. <laughs> and, um, you know, the joke at the end of the the entry on the website was like, my mom has always trusted my gut ever since. Um, and I think, I think that's a good reminder. Like we get trained to not trust our gut, whether it's by parents or society. And, you know, it takes a lot of practice to kind of sort through the static of our own fears. Um, right. To know like, no, this actually doesn't feel right. Or, I'm being foolish, you know, like <laughs> I definitely have a story of my own where I got on a plane and this was, you know, right after 9-11 and I was super fucking hungover. And, 
you know, with the way the news was handling it, the the delicate balance of my hungover brain, I was like, you know, I was scared of flying. I was claustrophobic. It was like all of my fears danced together to um, make me think that this plane was like going to crash or get hijacked. And so they offered up seats for like a, they were like, this, this flight is overbooked. If you give up your seat, you'll get a free ticket. I couldn't have gotten off that plane faster. Like I was probably already mid panic attack. And so, you know, had that plane crashed, it would have been really easy for me to be like, oh, I trusted my gut. But like looking back on it, that plane didn't crash. I was terrified. (laughs) I was socially programmed and experiencing the collective fear of planes being hijacked and crashing. I hated flying anyways, and I was hungover. And so the static and my fear um, kind of created the circumstances where my brain thought I had a gut feeling, but I didn't. Um, I was just just scared and panicking. And... um, You know, like that that fear and that conditioning, that's kind of like, you know, for me at least, like messing with my diet and meditating and just going out to nature and listening and not, uh, you know, taking breaks from listening to music and little things like that just to try to like cultivate my ability to listen to those, those other, those other signals that I get from my body, whether it's my gut or my heart. Um, You know, because it's, it's hard to tell sometimes what's what's the static of fear and conditioning and what's an actual gut feeling. And so I don't really have anything to say about that. It's just there. It's just out there. Like, um, there are also a lot of really interesting stories about times where people didn't listen to their gut feeling, which you may have too. Um where there was a funny one where a father was driving his child to daycare and noticed that there was an injured robin in the road. Um, and the, the father drove past it and was like, oh, I shouldn't stop, but then kind of felt like a jerk and was like, oh, I sh- you know, should uh, go pick it up and teach my daughter that, you know, I care. And then... Uh, Um, picking up the robin and taking it to a vet uh, caused him to be an hour late to daycare and then when he was driving out of daycare he got t-boned by somebody texting um, and then (laughs) so destroyed his truck child was late he was late to work and then got a call from the vet that night that the robin didn't even make it um and <laughs> it's a horribly sad story, but you know, some like when you don't listen to your gut, there can be consequences. And um, I remember for me when I was younger, I, I would get frozen. Like uh, I would have like decision paralysis with my anxiety. Um, because I was afraid that every decision I was going to make was going to lead me to dying, which, 
you know, ironically is totally true. Like everything I do is leading to my death. Um, but I met immediately like it, and I had to do this mental exercise in my when I was a teenager uh, that I just kind of came up with on my own that like I would sh I would remind myself of all the good things that happened you know oh no what was it oh if something bad happened I would I used to get really down about it and the game I would play with myself was I'd be like well you know I I stubbed my toe or I tripped and I fell but you know, I could have, it could have been worse, you know, or I don't know where I'm going with this one. It's a little bit of a tangent and doesn't really make a lot of sense. But like, I used to kind of acknowledge that there was like an infinite realm of possibilities and doing what I did needed to happen and acknowledging that like, yeah, like maybe something bad happened, but something worse could have happened. Um, you know, like maybe the Robin died on the side of the road, but at least I didn't get T-boned by a truck. <laughs> um, and so like, I think there's, there's a million examples of that. I, I had this feeling I was dating on uh, OkCupid and I went on this date um, and I just had this feeling like I shouldn't go on this date. And I got over to this person's house and she was just like proceeded to get wasted and super creepy and uncomfortable and had bad boundaries and was like, I mean, it was like a comically bad date where I was just like sitting there. She's like reading graphic, like reading offensive poetry to me and like being super sexual. And I just was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Why did I ever go over there? Um, and I didn't listen to my gut. Nothing horrible happened, but um, like there are times where... <laughs> You don't listen to your gut. You get pretty quick evidence that maybe you should have. So, I don't know, maybe listen to that. Because um, we all get, get talked out of it, and you never know when trusting your gut can, you know, save you, save somebody else. Um, and a really beautiful one, I think it's the last one I'll share. You never know when, like, trusting your gut to be nice to somebody. It doesn't have to be a horrific, life-saving story. Um, you never know when, like, trusting your gut to give somebody a compliment or say hi or call a friend or family member. Um, you know, how many of you have been like, oh, I just had a feeling I should call, and then you call and you have a great conversation with somebody or they really needed your support? Um And listening to our gut's beautiful. You know, I think it's keeps keeps me in touch with like the animal that I am, you know, like I'm not all brain. This this frontal lobe is the most recent part of my brain to develop. I have a reptilian part, I have an emotional part, and then I have a frontal lobe, and the frontal lobe is the newest newest mechanism up there and the other ones have been there for a long time keeping me safe. Uh my reptilian brain stem that's directly connected to my spine and my nervous system. That's been keeping us safe for hundreds of thousands of years and uh, learning how to listen to those can be pretty cool. Um, and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna read a little, a beautiful one here. Uh, 
somebody wrote in high school. It was around everybody's birthday, um, and all of the friends would go out. Uh, they they at the, probably a small school. They bring brownies and balloons and gifts, um, and the whole school took part in this for teenagers. Um, and it was just a really nice ritual that the school had, just to acknowledge everybody's birthday. I mean, how sweet is that? I remember when I was teaching, and uh, we started doing birthdays. The students really liked it, and it was fun for the staff too. Um, but the student on uh, on their birthday realized that um, they just kind of had this feeling that someone was watching them, and the student turned around and looked and saw another student staring at them and the student walked over and started a conversation with the person uh, they, they thought was staring and then was like hey when's your birthday um, and made a mental note and the student wrote that like they never had such a strong gut feeling that they needed to do something for the other student on their birthday that I was like it was like I'd only met you once but like I need to do something for you on your birthday um, kind of had a feeling that the, the the student that was staring was like shy and a little uh, socially awkward um, and had also been given a lot of uh, received a lot of like bullying for coming out as uh gay or queer or lesbian it didn't really specify in the story but the person um, had recently come out and had gotten a lot of shit and so the other student was like you know this person's birthday might not be uh, recognized or made as big a deal as mine was and I, sh I should do something nice for them and so when it was the student who was who came out's birthday the other student bought like the biggest balloons that they could find and some brownies and baked goods um, and pretty quickly realized that um, that was the only student who got who got presents for the student who came out and uh, gave gave the student who came out um, their presents and kind of went, went on about their teenage days, you know. Um, didn't, like, become fast friends. It wasn't like a movie. But, like, about four months later, <clears throat> the two students were talking. And uh, the student who came out pulled the other student aside and said that they were planning on killing themselves on their birthday. Um and the student who was planning on killing themselves said that, you know, the act of kindness that was displayed to them um, really changed their day and they didn't feel so alone and they didn't feel, they felt like somebody cared and not everybody was evil. and. You know, especially for LGBTQIA youth, um, like those, that act, you know, changed the course of two people's lives, and it all stemmed from a teenager trusting their gut. Um, you know.
there wasn't a selfish gain there. It was just a, a selfless act where somebody trusted their gut and did something like a little socially awkward, right? Like a teenager buying a teenager they don't have a relationship with, a present. Um, that's that's brave. And so <laughs> thank you for listening. Um, I'll leave you there. Be kind to people. Be good to yourselves. Be good to others. Um, and trust your gut. Um, I know it can be a bold thing in uh, this day and age in this country, but uh, trust your gut. You never know when giving someone a compliment or deciding not to see somebody or walking away could like save your life, can make somebody's day. Who knows? But like, how fucking cool is it? We're not just a brain. We're not just a brain floating around here like thinking brainy-ass thoughts. We're like a whole fucking cool system here head to toe heart gut brain whatever else you believe is attached there like thanks for listening thank you for turning into the tuning turning of the bones podcast once again this was so much fun uh, if you can please support on patreon turning of the bones website turning of the bones um, look forward to more of these chats they uh, really make my day, make my week. They're fun to create. Uh, blessings to you, you beautiful, beautiful beings. You lovely Alexandrias. Um, take care. Turning of the bones. Bye now.